Spalon Montage is the Twin Cities premier salon and spa destination and proud official hair sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. With three convenient locations in Edina, Woodbury, and Chanhassen, there is a Spalon close to you. Visit online at Spalon.com. Well, the Minnesota Vikings season has come to a conclusion, but that does not mean that the Minnesota Vikings podcast has to follow suit. We are back. This is the divisional round edition of the show. And my name is Gabe Henderson. I'm alongside Vikings.com's Tatum Everett, Jay Nelson, and our producer, Eric Davidson. Guys, um, there is not much Vikings news, but there are a lot of things that happened this past week, like, you know, the Vikings announcing their trip back to London, the wild card divisional weekend, and uh, just some opportunities for us to be able to, you know, look at the league in its totality. And as we start today's show, um, right when we finished recording, the day after we recorded last week, uh, the Vikings announced that they are returning to London in 2024 to play a regular season game at London's Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as far as part as the 2024 international games. And guys, uh, Tatum, you and I were there last year. Uh, it's just an experience that I think all Vikings fans should be able to witness. Just when you heard the news, what were some of the first things that came to mind when you thought about going back to London for another year? Well, I think the Vikings have such good luck in London, first yeah, of all, yeah. 3-0 so far. And I know being in the marketing side of things here in the organization, knowing how much of a priority our international fans are, especially the U.K., uh, that we have the marketing rights out there. So it's just a chance to to grow the fan base even more overseas. Uh, I'm excited to see that we're the home team because I think you yeah. have so much more obligations to like kind of be around the city and, and be more involved with the fans as far as the players and coaches. I you know, and, and you have a little bit longer to kind of hang out there and, and get to know our international fans. So I think that's kind of what I was thinking about is, uh, you know, first of all, I was like, hmm, wonder when it's going to be. Because, mm-hmm. you know, selfishly, I'm like, when is, what, what time of year is that? What, when do the games normally happen? And like, yeah. who do we play? So those are things that we're not going to know for quite some time, though. Yeah, usually around, I think the schedule releases around May, uh, yeah. right after the NFL draft, Jay. And uh, I mean, you've been a part of this organization since the Vikings had their first trip yeah. to London when they played uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2013. The Vikings are 3-0, and but understanding that we're going back to London, you've been a part of this organization since we have finally, I guess since we, we had our first trip to London, what yeah. were some things that came to mind for you? 2013 was incredibly memorable. That was a, it was a ton of work to, to get over there just in general. But once we got over there, we were a home team mm-hmm. uh, in 2013. We played at Wembley Stadium. Uh, it was kind of a weird time. It was week four uh, for that one because we had just come off. We were basically 0-3 at that time at Cleveland. They were looking at it going, hey, Vikings-Pittsburgh, this is going to be a marquee matchup. Yeah. We both walked in looking for our first win. And so wow. the thing that was uh, really interesting, though, with that one was the fact that it was a home game for us. They pull out all the stops. They do everything they had to inside the stadium to make it feel like a Vikings home game. Graphics audio, all that kind of a deal. Um, one of the things that's kind of an interesting note for those international games is um, Vikings announcer Alan Roach tends to be the voice of of those games, but uh, given the New Orleans game, he couldn't be because he was the Vikings announcer, but it was the Saints home game. Yeah. So I assume Alan will be over there again for the, for this one. I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll love it uh, as he normally does, but just being able to go to a place like Wembley Stadium that time mm-hmm. was memorable, you know, close to 100,000 seats. And then you get to experience the the new Tottenham Stadium that, uh, you know, two years ago was kind of freshly uh, unveiled. And so the nice thing about that place is that um, all the reviews 
for Tottenham Hotspur Stadium have been just amazing. And I think, um, you know, it should be a, another great home field advantage here for the Vikings. I mean, I think, you know, Tottenham Hotspur, in addition to Wembley, is one of the greatest venues, like, in the world. Yeah. And to be able to to play a football game, another football game there, well, I guess American football game there, uh, it's, it's only going to be – uh, that much more special. I'm just thinking about the the memories from last year, the double, well, two two years ago, the double doink. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the the different fans with different jerseys, just NFL jersey. I mean, I saw Falcons jerseys, Cowboys jerseys, Packers jerseys. But I think the biggest thing that came to mind for me is how does Kevin O'Connell and Quasey address going back overseas, thinking of it being a home game? Because yeah, usually teams have you know full week in London, but I was looking at you know just. Last year, when the Packers and the Giants played the week after we played the Saints uh, in 2022, I think the Packers were the home team, but the Packers didn't get out there until Thursday, similar Mm. to when uh, we got out there when we were the road team against the Saints. So uh, a lot of science that goes into it, but still, it's a special opportunity uh, to play in front of a different fan base. Well, one of the things like in 2013, because it was the first time we had done that, they were, because the obligations and everything that were going on, we flew over immediately after the game on Sunday. We mm-hmm. flew over uh, Monday night. And so we got there and we ended up staying like an hour outside of of downtown. Just so nice. It was basically at one of the uh, practice facilities where the national rugby team would practice. Mm-hmm. And it was this incredible estate where they rolled out the red carpet for everything. And it was basically almost like going to a really posh training camp. And, um, you know, once it got closer to the weekend, that's when everybody kind of migrated into the city. So it was a really uh, interesting experience being the home team because you had to go down downtown for all of the the fanfare and the kind of the fan events that were yeah. going on. And just I think they're really going to want to be able to, you know, showcase who we are, especially if we have the UK as one of our, our primary places. So I, I assume that. You know, it'll probably be something similar, but, you know, we'll find out for sure as the timetable gets closer and closer to the actual game. Yeah, and then, I mean, the Vikings fans, if you want to know more about what the Vikings are doing in London, you can visit vikings.com slash London for more information and sign up for international updates. Guys, this past weekend, a, a lot of people say wildcard weekend is the most fun weekend in, in, a, in the NFL every single year. And just looking at some of the games, I, I was glued to my TV uh, starting at, I believe it was 3.30 Central Time when the Houston Texans played the the Cleveland Browns. And just understanding the, the totality of NFL football at its peak and seeing the six games that took place. Jay, we'll, we'll start with you. I know we, we exchanged texts, a few texts here and there. I've exchanged a few texts with a few people, but... What were some th- what were some things that stood out to you? Uh, just starting with that Browns uh, Texans game for me, it was just how absolutely shot out of a cannon Houston was. That mm-hmm. was insane because I think we all felt like Cleveland's defense had been really solid here, especially yeah, in the sure. back end of the season. Mm-hmm. Joe Flacco is Joe Cool. You know everything going into it, you felt like Cleveland was kind of the more experienced team, and boy did. Houston put one on at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of weird because as soon as you saw Houston being able to kind of pin their ears back a little bit more defensively and put pressure on Flacco, that's when you just saw things start to snowball. So for me, watching that game, I was very impressed with what Houston was able to do, especially Stroud, man. He was he was on fire for that game. So for me, that that Houston-Cleveland game was, was really surprising just to see how much the young guys showed up. I was just a little bit shocked with how there were so many, I don't want to say blowouts, but kind of, like yeah. just very dominant performances where teams were just out with the 
foot on the gas pedal and they kind of had to let go a little bit because they had such, you know, large leads. I thought that was a very interesting, interesting thing development this weekend. Yeah, there were, what, five of the six games were decided by two scores or more. So right. when, when thinking about the the first weekend of wild, of the wild card, you, you, you expect a, a little bit more uh, tighter matchups. But still, I just think for the entertainment side of it like there were some really good storylines that came out of it but to your point yeah there were a lot of blowouts and uh, hopefully that's not the case this weekend but it, it wouldn't surprise me if if there were so I was gonna say like you're talking blowouts you know the ones that were really kind of surprising for me Green Bay beating up on Dallas mm. although you tended to call that one saying Green Bay was a little bit of Dallas's kryptonite and it just kind of continued yeah that was very surprising to me to see them go into Jerry World down at AT&T Stadium and really put one on them defensively. Mm -hmm. You know, Green Bay's defense had been kind of leaky and Dallas just could not get out of their way. And it felt like Green Bay was literally sitting on those routes, just waiting to jump those routes. And so that was a really kind of eye-opener watching Green Bay put, put up as many points as they did. And then we all saw the weather games too, yeah. like how much the weather impacted everything. I, can, I cannot believe, I can, but I can't believe the uh, the Buffalo fans doing what they did, you know, going through mm -hmm. almost two feet of snow. And it sounds like they're probably going to get something similar this week. So it's going to be. Is that in the forecast they're, again? They're talking oh another storm God. hitting. I don't know if it's going to be that much, but they were. there was an initial report saying potentially over a foot again. So like just. That lake that's weather, crazy. man. Yeah. That's. That's but, rough. But that's the thing, like, you know, for Buffalo, their fans absolutely embraced it. So it was really fun to see just how much the city of Buffalo, you mm -hmm. know, came out and, and did what they had to do in order to put on a crazy game. Just going there last year, um, the city to Highmark Stadium was a drive. Yeah. So we usually stay downtown in Buffalo and then we drive to Orchard Park to go to the stadium. And that's a, that's a little bit of a hike. So to see all those uh, Buffalo Bills fans out there uh, with $20 in their hand uh, shoveling snow, uh, to host a, a, I guess, a playoff game. That that was a really cool sight to see. But I, I personally don't believe if I lived in Buffalo, I would be at that game. Like that, <laughs> that would be a, a tough sell for for anybody trying to, I guess, not put their life in danger getting to a football game. But I, I respect it. I respect the the loyalty that those fans have there. And ultimately, I believe that fan base affected that thirty-one to seventeen win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was probably uh, one of the big games that stood out to me. Uh, probably the biggest surprise was how the Kansas City-Miami Dolphins game ended. I figured that game would be simply just be a little bit closer. Um, I knew that the weather conditions were going to play a factor, but when, when Tyreek Hill was walking down the tunnel pregame, uh, getting off the bus, and he said it's cold, cold as you know what, mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, mentally they've lost, they've lost this game, but we'll, we'll see how they fare because we don't know how the Kansas City Chiefs are going to fare in this weather also. But to lose 26-7 to after having the year that – that Miami Dolphins had um, was just, I guess, a surprise for me. The weird thing about Miami was they were a very Jekyll and Hyde team. Mm -hmm. I think they only had one win over a, a above 500 team all season, which is kind of crazy to think about just how successful they were this year. But going into a place like that, I mean, you know, we talked about it last week too, just the idea of had they beat Buffalo in week 18, they would have been hosting a game in 76 degree weather. Mm. And I don't. And I think the the deal now is like if it's below forty degrees, like a two O led team or something was like five oh, and or zero and five oh, four, kind of yeah. thing like yep, that. Yep. So I guess for me the it wasn't as surprising given it was Miami going to Kansas City, you know, freezing their hands and not being able to catch anything and really just not being able to to step up. And the crazy thing for Kansas City was they kept having similar drop issues and things like that, but they were able to to overcome it. Um, 
The other one that was insanely crazy as well was Tampa beating Philly yeah. 32 to 9. That, I had I a think, feeling about that one. I think it was just I the thought Philly. I think a lot of people did. Yeah. That was it. I, th- I thought Philly was going to lose in Tampa just because you're in Tampa. Mm-hmm. But to lose in the fashion that they did, mm. I mean, they were they couldn't tackle. They were, you know, Tampa was bouncing off of them and getting an extra three to six yards mm-hmm. on almost every single play. It was it was just atypical. And then when you get to the tush push and they <laughs> stuff them for the two point conversion, I was like, this is not this is not going yeah. Philly's way today. It, it just looked like Philly did not want to be there. Simply simply put, and the Dallas Cowboys, I would probably say the same thing. They just it took them a while to get started, but for, for Philly to lose in that fashion after going to a Super Bowl last year, having a similar team, granted you lost your offensive defensive coordinator, but still you have the same team and you lose in that fashion. Granted, a lot of people can say, well, look how they ended the season one and six, but I don't know. I just feel like Philly fans, you got to, or Philly teams, you got to hold them to a different standard just due to how wild and passionate the fans are there. I mean, unlike how up and down the Chiefs season was, you always thought they'd come through in the postseason. They always seem to just get so much better in January. And then you see this Philly team who ended the year one and six. It's (laughs) like, what happened? You know, you have someone has to take the blame and something, you know, that there was no confidence and you could almost see it in the players, how deflated they were. Uh, with the way that things ended and that they have to go on the road and Tampa had nothing to lose, right? They nothing. They win the division. They are at home. Like you saw Baker, he was having the time oh, of his life out there. They were and geeked. yeah. So it, it's it's just a momentum is a fickle thing. And and I think that with the Eagles, that they just I don't know if there's been a collapse quite mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. uh that I've ever really seen before. Well, you know, the the Eagles, they've what has been successful for them in the playoffs in recent years has been they always bring the juice. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it felt like they just didn't have it was weird because whether it was veteran leadership or, you know, defensively no, just being known as kind of the hard nosed, we're going to make this work, you know, we're going to find a way to make it happen. And it just didn't. And I think mm-hmm. that's why they were scratching their heads so much, just going like, where we, we know how to win, we'll be fine. And they weren't. And and I think that was what was just so dang surprising watching that one. Yeah, well, the, the one game that actually had me glued to my TV the entire game was the Detroit Lions game when they hosted the Los Angeles Rams. There were so many storylines going into it. Matt Stafford uh, playing against his former team. D, uh, Jared Goff playing against his former team. Just the energy at Ford Field leading into that game. I mean, we were just there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, for their season finale, so we could we could tell that it was going to be an energetic game, but I didn't expect it to be as lively as it was uh, when I turned on the TV this Sunday. And just seeing how that game fared for the Detroit Lions to finally win a playoff game, to to bring that to that city. I know they're in our division, Tatum, but still, like I, I was somewhat happy to see that city get another win or finally get a win in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if it's not us, like, I can root for a team like that. I think even if I didn't work for the Vikings, I'm rooting for them probably. I mean, I I love that storyline of... It's been 30 years since they, you know, won a division, won a a playoff game, and and how starved those fans are for any type of success. It's just... 
it's awesome to see something like that happen. Um, I'm a big underdog fan normally. Um, so I, I'm just excited. I'm excited for them. I'm excited for the friends that we have working for their organization mm-hmm. and, and, and what they have been able to accomplish. It feels like they're doing things the right way, yeah. which I think is, is kind of neat. You know, they had, they've made some really incredible front office moves as far as draft picks, um, as far as free agency gets. And it seems like they've really put together a strong, team and mm-hmm. and so you know hate the player hate the, like don't hate the player hate the game right like you can't really hate them for playing the game correctly for them I think it's been a validation of culture change for them you know for 30 years they're trying to find an identity Dan Campbell came in I think all of us kind of raised an eyebrow when he's talking about biting kneecaps and all that yeah. kind of stuff the one thing it does show though is that that locker room is completely all in on what he is selling at this point and sure. I think the thing for the Lions is that you know, they went in hot at the end of the season. They, you know, raised a banner and just kind of said, you know, this is just the beginning kind of an attitude. And I think to see the way that they've galvanized in that locker room, there is a touch of of um, underdog to everything, even though they're, you know, sitting at the seed that they are. Mm-hmm. There is a touch of nobody believes in us. Nobody believes that we're, we can be here yeah. except for everybody in this locker room. And that is a very, very powerful thing. So I am I am very curious to see how how much Detroit makes a run with this team because, you know, I fully expected towards the end there that the Rams were going to get a shot at kicking that field goal. And defensively, they locked it down. And offensively, they ran out the clock. And yeah. it was just it was a perfect game plan for Detroit. So kudos to them for making it happen for the first time in over three decades. It's just un- incredible. And now they have a, a favorable matchup this upcoming Sunday at 2 p.m. They host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who just beat the Philadelphia Eagles. But um, just I-, I watched a little bit of film um, of the Lions game and the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, and I just think if the Lions stick to what they do, that should be a, a winnable game. But moving on to the other three games, and I get you guys' thoughts about those, is – you know, you got Houston at Baltimore on Saturday at 3.30. You have the Green Bay Packers at the 49ers, who are the one seed. That's 7.15 p.m. Central Time on Saturday. And then rounding us out in the division round weekend is the Kansas City Chiefs at the Buffalo Bills. Jay, I mean, you hit this on the head the other day uh, when we were talking. Pat Mahomes' first road game as a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Just how, how crazy. In the playoffs? In the he's, playoffs never, yeah. a, he's never had a road game. Yeah. So this is Pat, in the playoffs. Pat yeah. Mahomes in the Kansas City Chiefs' first road game at Buffalo mm. in the crazy weather. You know, it's going to be – I think as much as they've struggled as well trying to figure out, all right, we know we've got Kelsey and we know we've got Pacheco, mm-hmm. but what the heck do we have, you know, catching the ball at this point? And even last week, they had a couple of drops that you were just looking at it saying, well, you know, what do we got? But then Rache Rice mm-hmm. stepped up and, and made some really nice plays. And so uh, it's KC in the playoffs. Uh, they're going to be absolutely stoked to once again be going against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And um, this time it's it's in, in Buffalo. And I anticipate that game being another, you know, highly volatile, crazy score fest and who the heck knows with what the weather is going to kick right. in. But uh, that's going to be a really fun capstone game uh, for a crazy divisional round weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think I would have laughed at you if you had said the four teams representing the NFC will be the Packers, the Bucks, the Niners, and the Lions. Yeah, 
And think about the quarterbacks. I would have maybe believe I right. believe the 49ers. I would have been like, okay, the Lions, like, wow, I can't believe they were able to live up to the hype. Mm-hmm. The other two, I'm just going, what? Well, your, your four quarterbacks are Jordan Love, Baker, Mayfield, Jared Goff, and Brock, <laughs> Brock Purdy, Purdy, which is crazy. Those are your four quarterbacks. That is crazy. NFC. So, like, I, I, again, to me, like, all of these, the parody within all of that, I think it's really going to come down to the fact that, you know, I think home teams were 5-1 and one wild card weekend. I have a hard time going against the home teams in these four matchups as well. I mean, Baltimore at home against Houston, San Francisco at home against Green Bay. I mean, we all know what happened when yeah. we played in San Francisco a couple of years ago in the in divisional round. Like, that is a very tough place to play. Yeah. Detroit is absolutely geeked right now. And then Buffalo in their element against Kansas City, it doesn't get much bigger than that. The, the only thing that I would say is I would agree that the home team does have the favorable matchups this weekend, but that Kansas City Chiefs team, it's, for me, it's just hard to count those guys out with Pat Mahomes as their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And the fact that uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are used to those weather conditions, I think that kind of makes the game a little bit more even. So, yeah, the Buffalo Bills are going to have home foot advantage. If it snows a foot, uh, expect <laughs> uh, 200,000 fans to be there uh, shoveling snow uh, for $20 this upcoming weekend. But, yeah, that that is uh, an interesting matchup. I think this will be a very fun, uh, very fun uh, divisional round. But uh, Dalvin Cook was something, a guy that came to mind when I was just thinking about just these matchups. Dalvin Cook now plays for the Baltimore Ravens. He's going to get a lot of carries this weekend. He posted a picture on social media earlier this week of him in his Baltimore Ravens uniform. And I was like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Like this Ravens team who's, when you talk about, you know, teams that just can't figure it out in the playoffs, they they have, a, 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 um, a, I guess, a, a motto or something that's, you know, a, a camel on their back when it comes to, the teams that just can't finish. And now that Dalvin Cook has an opportunity to play for a, you know, a playoff contender, a Super Super Bowl contender, uh, this could be interesting. I think Lamar Jackson in the playoffs has had some very non-dubious games. Yep. He's he's struggled at times, especially when defenses come after him. And so for me, I'm looking at this one saying that Houston team played pretty yeah. dang well mm-hmm. last that, week. That to me is the most mm-hmm. exciting game this weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so again, if you've got it's the first one. Kind of a, a young squad where, you know, they don't know they're not supposed to be there kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> going to Baltimore. Uh Lamar is gonna he's gonna have a prime opportunity to be able to finally, you know, throw that stamp down and say, Ooh. listen, you know, we are the number one seed for a reason. We are at home. We have all the reasons and, and all the ability in the world to to advance to the AFC championship game. If they struggle in that one too, I think there's going to be a lot of question marks then going forward saying, you know, can this guy get it done? But yeah. he's been an absolute monster all season long. Yeah. I mean, he's been, he's been playing MVP caliber ball. He's my, he's my MVP this year. I know a lot of people are saying Brock Purdy, but just thinking about what Lamar, the stats that he's put up this year, the, the wins that he's put together, the offense that, that he's been, you know, leading this year. I just believe he is the most valuable player in the NFL. But you look at those playoff stats, and it's like this guy is one in three in the playoffs. He's got more touchdowns and interceptions in the playoffs. I believe his passer rating is less than 70. So I'm sure he's ready to, you know, quiet that talk. I mean, I'm interested to see what that first game in the playoffs are going to look like. I feel like week. Lamar has his defense to think, too, for this True. MVP potentially. True. You know, they're, I think that's where their kind of secret sauce is this year is that they're, they're kind of living up to the – 
Raven standard of defense that has been set for so many years before them. So I, I'm that's why I'm thinking I'm the most excited for that one. I'm just excited to see what the Texans can do against yeah, them yeah. and see CJ Stroud and see how how they can, you know, how they can play against the Ravens. I think it'd be really interesting to see um them go all the way, the Ravens go all the way and have like a double Harbaugh yeah. on top of the both football worlds. I, I it's was kind th- of interesting. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, they have an opportunity to do something really crazy. Yeah, that's probably never been done. As a family, yeah. yeah. You, you think about, like, how many you, – you have certain family members who have had an opportunity, whether it's coaching or playing. You know, the Kelseys played against each other in the Super Bowl. It was kind of a special thing. But if you're talking the Harbaugh's have the chance to not only control college football and, and pro football, NFL. that is yeah. an insane storyline yeah, for 2023. Crazy. I mean – what Jim Harbaugh said, he finally gets a seat at the big table after, you know, winning the national championship a couple of weeks ago. If John wins a Super Bowl this year, like, is he at the bigger I, table? I was going to say they'd be both sitting at the ends of the table <laughs> and everybody else would be lining up on there the side. Well, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure dad would probably be, uh, for sure. be uh, throwing some elbows if that's the case. But that is correct. That, that is a, that's a really cool storyline, and I'm excited to see uh, how the Baltimore Ravens do this upcoming weekend. But uh, as we round out our show today, uh, earlier this week I tweeted, I just, you know, wanted to prompt fans to continue to remain active and engaging with us on social media and stay tuned to Vikings.com. And I posed the opportunity for fans to send us some questions on the show. And uh, we got our fair share of questions. We won't get to all of them just due to, uh, quote unquote, time constraints. But uh, the first question that I'll I'll throw out to this group is um, from Birdie. It is at Sporty Birdie on Twitter, Sporty underscore Birdie on Twitter. And he says, I think we should draft a quarterback. Who in this class fits Kevin O'Connell's system best? And I'll I'll take a stab at this first. And this is supposed to be a generational quarterback draft class, right? Starting with, you know, Drake May or Caleb Williams or Jaden Day. I mean, just so many quarterbacks that stand out. Personally, I don't know who fits this style of offense. Just understanding what Kevin O'Connell wants in his quarterback, understanding that he wants Kirk Cousins to be back. I, I just don't know. I just don't know. I think the thing about uh, being a, a effective quarterback coach is being able to help uh, cater the team around whoever you do have as your personnel. So, like, for me, I, I the the weird part about when you talk about generational quarterback classes is, you know, you, we've seen this over and over again. You see top quarterbacks go in the first round. There's a, a bunch of stats out there about, you know, how – how many years are guys in the in the the league after they've been drafted? And mm-hmm. it, it really is one of those things. Like if you can find a generational quarterback, yeah, it makes an entire difference to all these different teams. I mean, we were just talking about all the playoff teams currently and who are leading those teams at this point. Um, I I think for this team, you know, I, the one thing that I do uh, feel like is that Quasi, front office, scouting staff all the entire process that's about to happen is they're going to find the guy that they find and feel is the most effective for what they want to do. Because we've talked about this going into the end of the season too. And even last week, just kind of the riches you have as weapons on this team. Mm -hmm. I think anyone walking into this system would feel like they would be set for success and have the type of weapons that they would want to move. So for me, I know I'm being wishy-washy on this thing too, but I'm just kind of saying like, I think you could literally grab one of these guys. And if they are the talent that everyone assumes they are at this point, yeah. they're walking into a place that that is going to have the, the cupboard completely loaded with whatever they need and want in order to be successful in this league. And I don't really think we 
know what type of quarterback they want to draft or want to plug into their system as far as like a youth movement quite yet. I mean, you see them choose Jaron Hall. So you're like, okay, well, maybe they are interested in a dual threat quarterback. Mm -hmm. I think what sets Jaden Daniels apart for for me personally, obviously, is the LSU connection. But I have and I've also watched more of him than the other two that are kind of up there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that what's under undervalued in Jaden's performance is how accurate he is. And I think that's something that you need to be in this offense with so many things going on and so many things to process. Accuracy is so key. I think that you could see some of the backups that were in the game. Accuracy was sometimes something that they struggled with as the season went along. And Jaden Daniels was not as accurate as Joe Burrow. He wasn't as accurate as Joe Burrow. But he had a 72.2% completion rate. And I think that that's a pretty darn good thing. Sure. Um, the the receivers are, they have very talented receivers. They have yeah. a very talented run game um, at LSU. So I think you'd walk into a situation here and he would be able to command the locker room. He's he's a little bit older. You know, like he's not, he's kind of like Joe in a sense where he's a little bit older. But yeah. he threw for more yards than Joe. He had more total touchdowns than Joe. Um, and then you pair that with the his ability to to use his legs to get out of pressure in the pocket. Mm-hmm. But he is comfortable there as well. And I, I don't know. I think that he is someone who has that leadership ability to come into a room and be effective from day one. So that's why I'm picking him. I will say I'm biased and I don't really know too much about the other guys either. But I, I think for me too, though, a big, a big turnoff for me is, and I don't blame, I, I don't blame him for being able to kind of dictate what he wants to do and where he wants to go. But I, I kind of like the whole, like, I'm thankful to be here. Like I, I'm excited to be here. And for me, like when you're a top two guy, you're, you feel like you can control the narrative with NIL and, and with all this kind of stuff. Like I kind of just miss the whole, like, I feel like when you, get Jaden, you're not getting any extra noise, if that makes any sense. Minimize the drama. Yeah. yeah that, you know, those are all interesting takes. And to your point of accuracy, I believe you you add that to what Kevin O'Connell asked for his quarterbacks, accuracy and winning games and being able to process things quickly is something that that's key uh, to be successful in this offense. And um, there, there are a lot of quarterbacks um, in this draft. And I, I just, I, I just don't know. Like, I just don't know what to to Tatum's point. Like, when you, when you draft a guy in Jaron Hall, do you, is that Kevin O'Connell basically says saying that he wants, you know, a guy that can be a dual threat quarterback? But you look at, you know, with him, you know, being um, a guy that stood on the table for Matt Stafford in L.A., then that's a guy that's just versatile, can improvise, can throw any, make any throw in the on the play sheet. I, I just don't know. I just don't know. The hardest part for me is knowing that we are six weeks away or so from yep. the combine and we got free agency and we got yep. all the rookie quarterbacks. Like there is so many moving parts yep. that when it comes to this kind of stuff, I mean, we've all seen uh, guys that were supposed I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be the number one pick. He slid uh, to the twenties. Um, you've, you've, there's always weird stuff that happens mm-hmm. from this point. You start getting the subterfuge of front offices throwing stuff out there to try to throw people off the scent. Like this is the silly season. This is when it's uh, <laughs> about to kick in. We're not even out of the playoffs Smoke yet, but I, you know, and, and the thing is it's the, you know, Viking season is done. So like this is the kind of speculation and, and right. pieces that, that do come out at this time. Fans are hungry just to kind of figure out like, where are we going and what's our future? Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I'm still trying to process <laughs> 
yeah. trying to trying to still uh, figure out my sleep at this point. But yep. I think when it comes to the idea of of quarterbacks, I mean, that is the A number one position in the entire NFL. And if, again, you can find a generational quarterback and they're going to be here for years to come, that's a very exciting prospect for a lot of people. And I think that's why, you know, a lot of fans are are addressing that quarterback situation because, you know, with, with Kirk Cousins uh, rehabbing his injury, he's not under contract for 2024. And uh, just understanding that Quasey wants to bring him back, but they have to come to a, a healthy number that makes sense for for both parties. What do the Vikings do at quarterback? And uh, at Chuck T. Peterson on X, formerly known as Twitter, says, will Justin Jefferson or Kirk Cousins return next year? And I, I think that's a fair question. Justin Jefferson's under contract. Kirk Cousins is not. Jay, your thoughts? My thoughts are kind of aligning with what Quasey and Kevin talked about at the press conference. Everyone's to this point has said the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Justin says, I'm going to keep playing for this team and let everything play itself out. Kirk is saying, you know, he would like to, in some fashion, be back. Quasey is saying, we've had healthy conversations with all these guys. We've got to make sure it works for everybody. I think that because everyone is, again, saying the right thing. Yeah that, you know, there is very much a, a push and an ability there for them to try and get something done. Again, this stuff's all going to play out because of free agency and, and everything else going on. But I think the the most uh, rewarding part, at least at this point, is that you don't hear any kind of uh, uh, backlash happening or anyone saying, you know, being sticklers about it. I think everyone feels like they're trying to negotiate in good faith and, and hopefully that continues moving forward in the rest of this offseason. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, I think that's, that's the plan. Like the best plan is to hope you can work it out with everyone who you want to be here and, and see how advantageous those contracts are for the whole team and is in general. Yeah. Um, I do think that the best situation would be to resign Kirk to a quarterback or a team friendly deal, excuse me, and also draft a QB. Sorry, not sorry. That's what I think that would be amazing to do. Um, I think that that's, Something that we've realized this season is so crucial to a successful year. Yeah, you just got to have the right people in place. And I think it'd be interesting to see the Vikings try and take a page out of what other teams have done where you have such a good season QB and then you have this young guy learning under him and not forcing him to get out there and play because not everyone can be C.J. Stroud. Yeah, and um, the fact that this Vikings team has a a really good offensive line to help mold a young quarterback and then you have – like Tatum said, hopefully Kirk Cousins back that can help groom a quarterback. Uh, I believe that makes this a desirable um, situation for one of these quarterbacks in this draft this year. Um, before we move on to the the more funner questions, uh, <laughs> this Twitter name is unique to me. Ted E. Bear asks, when do we decide to improve the interior of our lines? And uh, the first thing that came to mind is we need a bear up front <laughs> and um, a guy that stands out to me. I guess I'll just compound this question because uh, there was another person that asked, um, is there any defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman that that can help our, our defense right now? And I'll compound, compound those two questions. And uh, a guy that stands out to me is the University of Illinois or IU, uh, their defensive tackle, I believe his name is, is Johnny Newton. He was an All-American. He was a Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, uh, def- Big Ten Defensive Lineman of the Year this past year, and he was a two-time All-Big Ten first-team guy. And uh, he's just uh, someone that I think will fall to the Vikings. Um, when you look at who we have on our interior defensive line, there are only three guys under contract for 2024. 
and that's Harrison Phillips, Dean Lowry, and Jaquelin Roy. So clearly uh, that interior defensive line position is going to be uh, something that this Vikings team tries to address during some point uh, in the 2024 NFL draft, Tatum. There are nine picks, and while that sounds great, I have a feeling we're going to end up with a lot more the way that our GM operates. Um, For now, it's the first pick, the second, or the first round, the second round, two fourth, two fifth, two sixth, and one seventh. Yeah. That, yeah, but that so. also gives you a ton of ammo oh, yeah. to do a lot of moving. I mean, that's one thing this Vikings team's been known for over the years is lots of draft day moving, whether, you know, I think the idea then is there is that flexibility. I know not having that third round pick, but I mean, TJ Hawkinson in return, mm-hmm. we know what he's done as far as production wise. So I think you feel pretty solid knowing that you, you're getting a return off of that pick. But I think the idea of of addressing pass rush, we've seen in this league how effective and crucial that can be. Um, just look at the the teams right now that are in the playoffs, you know, defensively. Think about even, um, you know, Philly lost this past weekend, but, mm-hmm. man, they loaded up in the draft this past this past year, including uh, Jalen Carter. So, like, I think there's a lot of emphasis at this point to help revamp that and provide some more depth. And so I, you know, I don't have any uh, qualms with the idea of trying to find another, uh, you know, beef eater down there on, mm-hmm. in the trenches that can really help you out. Um, a lot of people were tweeting to Rondre Sweat as a name that the Vikings need to watch. Uh, he's an interior defensive lineman from the U- University of Texas. He won the Outland Trophy, and that interior defensive line, just being able to address that at some point in this draft, I'm sure Vikings fans will be uh, firmly and, and greatly excited about how we do that in this upcoming year's draft. Um, Jay, this this next question was something that, that stood out to me because I know you've been with this team for a while, and you know our colors are purple mm-hmm. and gold, and mm-hmm. we, we are just through and through Vikings. Someone asked, would anyone be opposed to changing the team colors? That question comes from at Georgia Rosa, J-R-C-R. I'm raising my hand currently. Yes, I would be opposed <laughs> to it. I, For me, it's it. I am Viking through and through. It has been, I know that the idea sometimes of you got to do a revamp, you got to do a rebrand, you got to figure some stuff out. Personally, I do not feel like that is going to be the thing that's going to help get us a new identity and get yeah. us over the hump. Um, you know, it, the, even the idea that the L.A. Lakers took the Lakers and the Colors to L.A. from Minnesota and are still running with them. Uh, if anyone wants anything, purple's a regal color. <laughs> I got to keep with the purple and gold here with the Vikings. I am not willing to make that change. They're too Tater. iconic. It's just not. I mean, I, I get, George, I understand your point. You know, yeah. it does It does provide a little bit of oomph. But, yeah. you know, I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. Purple and gold are my favorite color combo. <laughs> Always have been. And I'm very, very pleased with the way it looks. And I think it's too iconic. I just, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I agree with the, the two of you. Um, just purple and gold, but you think of that, you just think of Vikings, especially when it comes to the football. I mean, it comes to football. It's a, a very, it, it stands out. Uh, we're one of two teams that have purple uh, as one of our primary colors. So uh, that that is something that I don't think the Vikings should change. And I'm sure the Wilfs will probably not change that under their leadership um, here as the Minnesota Sounds like Vikings an expensive owner. change. Very, very much so. Very much. <laughs> very much so. Very much so. Last question. Um, I figure we leave this podcast on a, on a on a great note. So, at Vikes all day, ask what are you all most excited for this off season? Love the podcast, Tatum. We'll start with you. Yeah, I think it's kind of. I know this might be a boring answer, but I, and something expected. But I'm really excited to see how this all shakes out yeah. as far as the roster goes. I think you know, last year I think we were always worried too because it was like the first like 
true offseason after a season that these, we've seen with the coaching staff and the front office, and you're like, oh, what's their vision? Who are they going to pick up in free agency? How are they going to address this? And that's always, for me, the biggest the biggest thing I look forward to. Like, I, you know, you get so used to the set of guys in a locker room, and then you have this, like, four-month overhaul change where you don't know if who you're going to see back here or what the team's going to look like. And and so I think that for me is the most exciting part. I, I'm i just ready to see what it looks like. It's kind of like my impatience kind of kicks in. For sure. I, I agree. I, I think the idea that the cupboard is not bare, um, I think there's also been, you know, we're, we're going into now basically the third year with Kwesi and Kevin being able to really shape this team. I'm, they've had a vision from the moment they walked in the door. I think they'll be able to fully kind of realize and actualize what they're trying to go for. Um, I think the idea that, you know, we have weapons on this team, yet at the same point there's every single season a team gets augmented, hopefully for the better, you know, yeah. just to to strengthen. And I think there was a feeling that we had finally got something cooking um, before Kirk's injury, and from that point forward there was just too much of a mountain to climb. And, and so – I think there is optimism that, you know, we just need to kind of reset and and add some extra pieces and areas that we found some deficiencies. And hopefully next season you'll be able just to pick it up where you left off and start sprinting instead of having to do a kind of a complete revamp. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys. Since you guys took the football uh, side of it, I'm just going to say I'm most excited to get my weekends back. <laughs> yeah. Saturdays and Sundays, we don't really get those during during the regular season. So, so to be able to be home or be able to go on a vacation or or do something on the weekends, I'm, I'm very excited about that. But Vikes all day. I uh, appreciate the question. Appreciate you tuning in week in and week out. Uh, this podcast will continue week in and week out as we move forward this offseason. So uh, make sure you guys stay tuned for the most up-to-date coverage on the team on Vikings.com. Uh, my name is Gabe Henderson. Uh, this show was a pleasure to do alongside Jay Nelson, Tatum Everett, and our producer, Eric Davidson. Thank you guys again for tuning into another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. 87% of our food comes from rural America. Farmers are incredible. Agriculture is incredible. And rural is incredible. Lando Lakes is a farmer-owned cooperative and proud official sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings. Say hello to flawlessly smooth skin at Pure Lux Med Spa, the preferred med spa of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. Specializing in elite laser hair removal, body contouring, Botox, cosmetic filter, and age-defying skincare treatments such as Diamond Glow and Skin Pen for collagen induction therapy. For more information, visit mypurelux.com backslash Vikings for exclusive offers to Vikings fans. That's www.mypurelux.com backslash Vikings.